Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. Here I'm joined by an interesting soul for snacks and sometimes full-blown banquets. We share conversation and confessions, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello, Superbeaks. In this episode, I'm hoovering with one of the most beguiling food writers I've ever read. It's the author of the frankly fucking glorious Small Fires, Rebecca May Johnson. It was recommended to me by a listener, this book, so thank you to that listener. It blew me away. The beauty, the detail, and the incredibly refreshing, powerful, original takes on the way we narrativize cooking and eating in Western culture. Um, before we get into it, though, uh, I want to thank you for listening. You're loved and I'm deeply grateful. Um, want even more love and gratitude? Tell every twat you meet about the podcast. That'll do it. You'll have all my gratitude. Give it a five-star review. I'll find even more gratitude. Subscribe to it. I will runneth over with gratitude. You can message us now, thehooveringpod at gmail.com, and you can text or WhatsApp voice note me. Our new number is 07 Four six two eight five five two seven one. On a general level, I just want to know what you're eating. Send me your stories, show me your pictures that you want to share, whether they brought you joy, misery or anything else. You never know, you might eventually get a mention on the podcast. Keep an eye on the socials at The Hoovering Pod on Instagram and Twitter for specific topics and questions I'll be asking you over the coming months. 
If you are my patron, you are the lifeblood of this podcast, so thanks so much for your help. If you've got a few spare quid, literally that much is enough to get started. Head over, please, to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod and see what you could be getting in exchange for your hard-earned money. All sorts, from guest recipes to videos or um, little sound clips of me enduring all the novelty items that my nearly wife and child are always filling my kitchen with. My stand-up show Wench has two solitary tour dates left in Salisbury on the 19th and Colchester on the 20th of November. So if they're not sold out, why don't you just come? Just come. Thanks. Tickets available via my website, jessicafosterq.com. It's Hoover time. Rebecca and I met in the studio and I made her my own hot red epic, which sounds like the sort of muck reserved for my only fans usually, but you'll understand my meaning when we get into it. Okay, I'm going to do some. I'm going to do some really awkward brown nosing first, and oh, then we can God. eat something. Yeah, okay. Sorry, everyone finds that hard to handle, don't they? It's so grim. But so your book, Small Fires and Epic in the Kitchen, was recommended to me by a listener, and I'm still reading. I think it's the closest um, that reading about eating and feeding has made me feel to the feelings of eating and feeding, um, which is so powerful and vulnerable, and I think at times intimate, hugely emotional, and simultaneously like mundane and routine. Um, and it took me somewhere uh, incredible personal with you I felt like but with the lightest touch so thank you for having written something so beautiful which on a wild number of levels made me feel both sort of seen and also um, desperate to know you Um, and and anyone like you um, and and, and to cook cook for you and yeah I want to be a friend so uh, but um, I I don't know where to start there's so many things I want to get into um, from the book Um, okay so but we should probably start with Hot Red Epic I've made a, a red sauce well, so the bit in your book about the hot red epic, it's like the journey you've been on with a recipe for a red sauce, basically, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it's my attempt to make an account of cooking the same recipe a thousand times over 10 years. And I'm kind of trying to make the big dick claim that that could be considered to be an epic. Yeah. Um, on, a, on a par with the Odyssey. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I love it. Why not? Uh, oh, I've never thought of it consistently over a decade, but a red sauce is something that's come into my life often Mm -hmm. and in my I was about to say current relationship which is very disrespectful to someone you're engaged to (laughs) (laughs) but with my future wife um red sauce is one of the things that she has conceded essentially quite joyfully that she'll never really bother making again because you like making it I like making it and and how do you make it I wonder if I should see if you can tell oh yeah like a tasting Yes! Um, And so that bread, I need to read out what that bread is. I I got it. Yes, please. Do you mind? How do you like to. Like a slice? However you want to do it. Um, It's called. It's a sour seeded porridge loaf. Dense Moorish with lots of umami. Oh, Mm. they've said umami out loud. It's nice and damp. Is it damp? (laughs) In a a pleasing way. Great. Like moist. It features fermented <laughs> porridge that's added to the dough and has a distinctive nutty flavour derived from a selection of toasted seeds. Oh, it's got a list of seeds. We don't Exciting. need to go into that. Um, it's from a really nice deli in um, Hither Green called The Good mm. Hope. But it's made Next. by Paul Paul Rhodes. To go with it, I've got oil or butter. Mm-hmm. And then I don't really know how to serve this. Just... Mm. I reckon there's some spoons and knives and forks and we'll just yeah. dollop things around. And then chorizo. Uh, yeah, chorizo. And then there's tahini and Greek yogurt with some sesame seeds on top and a bit of honey on top and loads of lemon in it. Delicious. Okay, great. <laughs> Go for your life. I'm, I feel like I've served it almost as a soup. I have got more bowly things if that's easier. Did you blend it? Yeah. 
god, <laughs> that might be against the rules. No, I there's might... no rules. Is there no rules? I think no everyone rule. has their own okay. like canon tomato sauce. Yeah. Recipe. Um, it's very intimate, isn't it? We, it's yeah, the first time we've met. I know, but also that bit in your the bit about like when you just see someone just going for it. I was like, yes, and it's so exciting that it is. It is just more exciting when it's a woman doing that. I think. Yeah. You've been so trained to be so. Yeah. Not to to not do that. It feels transgressive. You have to just train to yourself to just grab it. Yeah. Like to to not leave the last bit of food for someone who's somehow society's told you is more important. Totally. You. You've left me the seedy bum. Are you, you sure? Are you okay? Do you it's want my that? absolute favourite. Oh, well then that's lucky. I was going for a different bit. I want to get in touch with Paul Rose because I'm really impressed with this it's bread really as well. It's really incredible bread. Yeah. <laughs> He's done an absolutely smashing job. I'm really enjoying the combination of tomato, tahini and chorizo. Yay. Mm. It's really nice. Mm. It's kind of reminding me as well of like an otolengified shakshuka. Yes. got like toppings and yeah. stuff. Have you got a back so have you got background in cooking? Not really. Not really. I mean I did food technology GCSE. <laughs> I mean my mum's a great cook. Great. And it's her kind of space for expressing herself. Yes. But I kind of mainly began cooking in earnest when I went to university. Yeah. And I just realised I thought I knew a lot more than I did. Yeah. <laughs> We made some, I feel like I look back at those sort of shared houses as students. Mm. And that, I was really reminded of it by parts of your book because there was a lot of creative expression. There was a lot of peacocking. There was a lot of flirting. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of, um, yeah, it was really, it was the first time you we were sort of really cooking to impress or attempting to. Yeah. I've done a few efforts, I think it's a sort of teenager, but it had been... Um, you know, really copying, just sort of getting mum to show me how to make something and then doing it for three mates. And really it had been about getting hammered. It hadn't been about the food. Mm-hmm. Whereas you got to university, it was also still about drinking, but mm. I've got really joyful memories of one friend's boyfriend in particular effectively taking about eight years to make a fucking bolognese. <laughs> it just might as well just been literally getting his dick out. It just took so long. Every time there'd be another ingredient. Quite fun. I mean, it's quite relatable, it quite that fun. desire to keep adding things to see yeah. what happens. Definitely. But usually it makes things taste of, of less, mm-hmm. which is a weird it's So true, thing. yeah. I don't know. Mm. Oh, God. You just please so have you used onions? Yeah. Do you think too many onions? Yeah, I'm really enjoying eating it. Okay, great. I'm enjoying eating it too, yeah. actually. It's sweeter than I... I haven't had it for a while, actually, you know, and it's sweeter than I thought. I don't think I'd have put onions in the in the tahini you, and yoghurt again. Do you use garlic? Tiny bit. Yeah. Mm. But not in the um, yoghurt. Because mm. I think the treats is quite garlicky. Mm. It's a great, it's a great combination of things. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <really> great. Nice. <laughs> um, really yum. Um, I'm, I'm also enjoying my own food. Is that um, giving yourself pleasure? Just myself, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. On my own podcast, what a weapon. Um, so my red sauce, yeah, has evolved through the years from super basic to like. I think there was a time where I had more time mm-hmm. and I would do that thing of letting it bubble for a long old time mm-hmm. and, and, and you know, really sweating those onions for a lifetime on a low, low heat. And as time's gone on, I think it's become a more practical affair. But now um, I sort of use it as, it, this began with my ex, my son's dad, 
And then my son now, who actually is incredible. He's just turned seven and he's credible in the sense that he will try anything. And he'll be very open if he's not into it or whatever. And he's got f- really funny ways of describing things he is or isn't into and um, food-wise. I can imagine that's adds a whole other dimension it. to food. I don't have a kid, but it seems very interesting and potentially quite fun. Yeah, there is a lot of, it'll be like, that's nice, yeah, that tastes of, that taste of the beach or that's it. Yeah, very good. Taste of February. You're like, what, Amazing. You're like, what are you on about? You know, absolutely bonkers. And it's poetry. It is. And he's like, you know, oh, I'm one of my favourites was in the lockdowns where he got, he just, he's a much sweeter tooth than me. And he got furious with having to have so many main courses and not just puddings. And he tried to reclassify <laughs> pudding as sweet mains. Oh, I love it. To get more of it when he was four, which was a touch, I think. But he, um, yeah, he will eat vegetables, but he won't enjoy them yet unless, yeah. well, he, sometimes he does, sometimes he does. And then he'll flit in and out of love for different things. Don't we all? But like he also, I think, basically my red sauce has evolved. Not just him, but because of his dad before him. <laughs> To contain loads of secret vegetables. Oh, yeah. So that, this red sauce, basically it's whatever I've got in. Is that why you I blitz it as well? Yeah, it is why I blitz it. Yeah. yeah. So what are secret vegetables are you feeding me? This secret vegetables has got carrots, courgette yeah. and red pepper. I, well, I thought I could taste pepper. Mm. How interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, feel, and I feel like I've been like manipulated. Sorry, I've <laughs> gaslit you into um, sort of eight I, I mean, I really like vegetables, but that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a technique that evolved out of out of feeding a child. Yes, exactly. Well, I was going to say, actually, feeding a man who's in his 50s now. Oh, but, um, right. Who just didn't <laughs> like vegetables enough. And a red sauce, I think, is a great place to... Um, it's a good disguise. Yeah, it is. Yeah. To sneak them in. I suppose maybe let's get into the romanticism of cooking mm. and eating, because you touch on that so brilliantly in your book. Yeah. I mean, we do love to... I mean, telly, eating on telly... Mm. you rarely see anyone eat anything that they haven't had to pretend their grandmother first invented, do you? Yeah, it feels like we lack in um, resources mm. and ways of t- talking about cooking other yeah. than this sort of grandma chat Yeah, that seems to come up on most TV shows. Mm. And this sort of... But it's a, it's a weird thing where often you seem to... People seem to both revere and idealise the labour of the grandmother... But then also patronisingly undermine it in the same breath or yeah. in the same kind of gesture. Like often on <clears throat> MasterChef, it'll be like, "Oh, I'm cooking this, but I'm making it sophisticated," or I'm yeah. whatever. Um, or just that they're these sort of almost unreal people who didn't yeah. live complicated, difficult lives, where maybe they also did very brave, crazy, difficult stuff, and weren't just sort of there as a kind of almost like a natural resource, just yeah. providing these recipes. I don't know. It's so true, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that thing is, it's not, you know, this idea that, oh, I've been guilty of it on this podcast of talking Mm. about food, like, was it made with love? I mean, the flip side is, I remember once cooking with, like, vicious PMT. (laughs) And um, it it did ruin it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I followed the recipe exactly, and it was meant to be, like, butternut squash Mm. gnocchi. Mm -hmm. And um, it just came out as a solid orb <laughs> it was rank it was Bluey. inedible mm-hmm. yeah it was and i did the recipe but <clears throat> filled it with rage so your performance was a rage performance yeah. of rage yeah whilst perform- cooking. yeah <laughs> and um and sort of fed it to my divorced parents as well oh and then in what was meant to be you know quite a lovely rare we're all having dinner together a monstrous ball yeah <laughs> yeah 
a gluey oh, ball gosh. of family. It's just so <laughs> fitting. Yeah, awful. Yeah, um, I think I feel like the, the mm. word lovely. Yeah. Just there's just so many, I guess, techniques that people have that somehow undermine all the stuff that's going on when you cook. Yeah. Like rage and bad feeling and. I guess when I was writing the book, I I mean, there's plenty of space. I don't want to deny the fact of joy and deliciousness and loveliness in food, but that's not all there is to it. Mm. And I guess I wanted to, you know, make an account of it that incorporated those things. A few a few people at events that I've done, they've really alighted upon that, especially women in their 50s, mm-hmm. to say that they felt that I was inside their head wow. because they've been... There was a woman at an event I did a few weeks ago. She works in food and people always talk to her in this very patronising way about what she does. And she she said she felt like suddenly she had a way of being angry about it, like expressing, you know, fuck off. It's not just lovely. You know? I love it. I think there's a I think there's a sign of an extraordinarily brilliant book as well. Yeah. It's that I think it, people are going to take... I, I felt seen in other ways, the, needy, the neediness. Yeah. <laughs> and then also this like, oh God, it is a massive creative expression. Mm. Yeah. And actually, I should have brought it with me. But I, a few, about two months ago, a friend sent me a book that Sheba, the feminist publisher, published in 1987, which is a feminist cooking book called Turning the Tables, uh, like Recipes and Reflections from Women. Wow. <clears throat> it's absolutely an amazing political book with recipes in it. And there's a whole section of the book on ambivalence. And I just love that. Like, it's a recipe book that makes space for ambivalence and difficult feelings and the, and the refusal of cooking. Yeah. And nonetheless, yes. they give recipes. So, you know, very, there's um, contributors from all over the world. Many of them are involved in activism or and have migrated. Or um, So there's like the the Chinese lesbian group mm-hmm. who say we're strong in our anti-racism. And here is a recipe for steamed sea bass with ginger and spring onions. And so it's kind of binding politics and cooking together and also the full kind of emotional spectrum that cooking and eating comes with. So there were a few people there who grew up in, in the book who grew up in poverty. So there's lots of sort of trauma around scarcity from wow. childhood. That, that, and, and nonetheless, you still have to eat. So they, so they contribute their recipes. So yeah. it's an amazing, you know, I don't know if it's sort of an algorithm thing that we live in now where often we're not receiving complex impressions of the world necessarily. Yeah. And I lo- it, it, reading this book from the 80s where there's a real good you know pleasure and anger and rage and difficulty and recipes together and i just i think that's just i just felt it was so exciting to read that glorious yeah i made i made angela carter's recipe for potato soup great you're like oh angela carter potato soup recipe amazing um i know it's really good recipe actually yeah Oh, I love it. But I feel I've gone a really long tangent there. But um, oh, I yeah, I was just trying to kind of address it. that nostalgia, romanticism around cooking. and Well, it's also, yeah. there's a functionality to it. You yeah. know, you can't do without it. And I think it's one of the things that makes eating so complicated. Yeah. I think why I wanted to do a podcast about eating as opposed mm. to food. One of the many reasons. There's enough noise in the world about food. But I think with eating, wherever you're at with it, you can't <clears> stop. <throat> so You'll die. You will. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll perish. So you, you, there has to be, you have to have a relationship with it. Yeah. And it won't always be the same one. And there no. are going to be times where, for whatever reason, it's more functional, times where it's more joyful. Yeah. Just the practicality of it, you know. Yeah. There's sort of burn, the burns and the cuts and the sweat. No, no one ever talks about well, it's the work. Sweat. Yeah, it's yeah, graft. it's work. 
And sometimes I, you're not tasting the love, you're tasting the grind, right? And the maybe work that hasn't really been, in some level, consented to. Yeah. But it's been performed out of some sense of duty or social expectation. And that's why I'm, I, mean, I, I only go briefly into it in the book, but mentioning Sylvia Federici, who wrote Wages for House... Well, she was part of a group that wrote Wages for Housework in the 70s, where she identifies that love is is work that conceals work. It's part of the performance yeah. Uh, you know, gendered labour in the house, especially. Um, and I just, it's, it's, it's really, I felt it felt really important for me to disentangle all those things um, so that you, to, to think about how to cook on one's own terms and or refuse aspects of the labour that you don't want to perform. Mm. You know, I've seen mothers around me mm. and, and sometimes my own mother sometimes doing work that... Yeah. It's fucking annoying. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's not always perceived because no. it's because it's seen as love. Yeah, it's not always perceived as difficult, tiring work. Well, it's so easy to get it. I mean, there are difficult, tiring work, one hundred percent. And then there's also it also opens, and it's something you must you must feed your kid. Mm-hmm. You, I have a strong desire to feed my kid, mm-hmm. but I also watch myself through feeding my kid and eating with my kid, mm-hmm. repeating the mistakes of my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I watch my dad's family fed with a really complicated that is a real language of it's one of the very few ways of loving Mm -hmm. that my dad has and that his mum had Mm -hmm. before him really very few ways but and it's really on the nose like if you have an argument the next day he'll just give you sort of carry a bag of ready meals Mm -hmm. it's that on the nose it's that obvious but that came with a real hatred of fatness and and and, oh, yeah. and and greed and it was like well it's fucking confusing it was impossible to it's navigate that as a child that massively fat phobic but also but also quite obsessed with you making sure you know you they you must receive their love you had to receive it otherwise you were being really upsetting them and i not the fat phobia thank god i mean at least i've evolved out of half of it but i watch myself wanting mm. too much my son to love what i've mm-hmm. made him in a way that i don't think i do with Mm-hmm. adults but but with partners sometimes as well there's this bit of me that's mm-hmm. like I know I can see it needing mm-hmm. too much it's like it's fine for them not and to maybe like maybe he that. loves you without the food yeah <laughs> that's yeah. hard to accept oh I don't know I mean <laughs> it's, <laughs> well, really, with, it's really into eating I mean, I and guess, I know I've done that but guess, it's like yeah, yeah I mean I guess with young kids you know literally they need that to survive yeah. but I, right towards the end of the book um because I definitely use food as a way of mediating relationships Mm -hmm. you know communicating with people seeking love and validation through Mm -hmm. cooking for all the many people i've lived with kind of create this sort of drama and pressure on the cooking sometimes yeah and then when a friend came around and she's like the food is really great and everything but i've come to see you could happily eat chips and i um, it made me cry actually like i couldn't really (sighs) accept it yeah um and i feel that that was a that brought about a huge revelation yeah, I guess maybe that's to do with self-esteem. It's to do with all sorts of things, stuff inherited from parents. And mm-hmm. as you you know, as you were talking about seeing that, the role that, that it has as a sort of vector of love. Yeah. And then disentangling yourself from that and maybe thinking, oh, maybe I'm good enough, even if I don't cook. I'll mm-hmm. still, I'm st- <laughs> maybe I'm still a person. I don't know. <laughs> but I felt like that was a substitute for me for a while for other forms of interaction and communication. I sort yeah. of held the food in between me and other people. Wow, what a beautiful way of putting it, yeah.
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I don't know if you've got this. I've got a few cursed friends who every time I try and feed them, I fuck it up in some way. One of them's a former guest, my friend Hattie Ashdown, a comedian. And I made her a soup that tasted nothing. I've made a, <laughs> a like a white fish um, in a, it was not a lengi recipe actually, but I made mm. it's too spicy for her, inedibly spicy for her. Yeah, I fucked up every single time on some level. Did her. you ask her first before you made it if she could eat hot food? No. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> no, no. Um, it's um, I'm not trying to like. Shame no, no, me. I love it really. <laughs> but I of think I didn't. Of I, I forgot to do that. You know, I grew up in a rural area and I yeah. never met. A vegetarian till I moved to London. Oh wow! Where <laughs> did you grow up in Norfolk, in, in Suffolk, and Suffolk? In Suffolk yeah, um, I don't think I also ever drank herbal tea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I came to well, I would do, but yeah. On, <laughs> and now, I, now fan. I've got a whole you know range of teas. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was just being you know as a bit of a brat. I was like, oh, people think they're so interesting drinking mint tea, and it's like, yeah, people can drink mint tea. It's fine. Um, get over yourself, <laughs> you asshole. Um, <laughs> Now I yeah and I'm a I'm a drinker of tea but um yeah I think you know moving house so many times I think mm. fifteen times in ten years as a you know as a student for a really long time because I did yeah. a PhD I guess f- yeah because f- I like to cook for people and that was my sort of slightly dysfunctional way of getting to know everyone I lived with um, but that became the way that I found out about difference mm-hmm. you know I you know I set out thinking. In a slightly, I guess, excited and confident way as an 18, 19 year old, I'll just make the best thing I can and, you know, that will be fine. But obviously, everyone has a very different relationship with food and eating and yeah. often traumatized or, you know, shaped by their life. It's completely individual. And so I eventually, you know, gradually realized that I should actually, like, listen to people and, and, to, you know, find out about them 
when mm. I was cooking for them. And yeah, and friends who have had difficulties with eating and eating disorders mm. and cooking for them and wanting to make food that was safe for them. That's really interesting. Was was really important. And I just remember even well, working in restaurants or just lots of kind of casual attitudes, kind of columnists and papers being like, oh, I, I don't know, people who are celiacs are just trying to get attention. Or oh, the God. sort of general vibe of like... And it's definitely misogynist in, in its sort of... Um, in its emphasis, like, mm-hmm. oh, people being sort of difficult or attention-seeking by not eating gluten or, I don't know, various things. And then thinking about actually how violent it is to ask someone to eat something that they that they can't eat or yeah. causes them pain or trauma. Yeah. And, and like, why would you, why would you, you know, you ask, it's very, you're putting things into your body and yeah. if you feel uncomfortable with that, it's incredibly violating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think you eat differently at different times of the year? I have an allotment, although it's much neglected. Um, so I like like a lot of tomatoes in the summer. I guess Lovely. I associate the summer with tomatoes, or and late you know late summer, early autumn. Yeah, and I'm very into bitter greens, Ooh. Italian bitter greens, um, like um, cavolo nero. Yeah, that is that, that an Italian so, bitter green. Yeah, that is yeah that is Italian black kale, isn't or it? Or do you mean like um? chicories yes exactly that's what i really mean that's what you really mean (laughs) so what you really mean (laughs) but i guess you know there is a bitterness to to cavallo nero as well so i didn't want to exclude that um i can't really say it in a very convincing way but there's puntarelle (laughs) i'm convinced puntarelle is is, in english it's also referred to as asparagus chicory actually i think that's a slightly archaic but that's in i think maybe jane grigson's book of vegetables she calls it that but um there's a really nice, it's like a, a giant, looks like a, when you grow it, like a giant, tall, maybe lettuce type thing. And then in the middle, there's a core hub <laughs> <laughs> of like asparagus type spears Yeah, that are kind of blanched. So they're white Whoa. by the darkness of the leaves around them. And then there's a... Wow, sp- like, um, like the creatures in The Descent. I haven't seen that, oh, but yes, like little white, white freak been thing, in a cave. Kind of, yeah. like, yes. Or like whitest German, white asparagus, which they grow in the dark. Oh. Um, yeah. Anyway, and there's a great thing you can do with that. You, you pick the stalk, white stalk things and you put them through a kind of metal grid, which shreds it. Anyway, then you make a very potent dressing with anchovy and garlic and olive oil and... Um, with, like if you want parmesan or whatever, Fit. that's typically Roman. Right. So that would be puntarelle, <laughs> puntarelle, alla romana. Anyway, yeah. Roman style, um, but it's incredibly delicious. But anyway, mm. that's actually s- slightly harder to grow. But the one because it requires quite a lot of manure, but um, to really get the for the asparagusy bits to form. Yeah. But sorry, I'm just getting really No, I'm really into it. So now. you're trying to do that in your allotment? I, I did grow that in my allotment. Shut the front door by yourself. And it's really expensive to buy in the shops yeah. or basically impossible, but it's actually not that hard to grow. And there's, <gasps> and, but there's another one called Chicoria, which if you're in Rome in the winter, or it, it's just everywhere, like every supermarket, you tend to buy it already cooked. Or every restaurant everywhere has it. Mm. And they cook it twice. They blanch it in salty water and then they fry it in oil and chilli. Mm. And it's so good. And slugs aren't interested. Yeah. And Great. So you just here, have it all winter. And it's perennial, yeah. so it comes back. Oh, yeah. 
Right. So yeah, I, that's I absolutely love that. So that's something I associate with winter. That's funny, isn't it? So and it's nice to think of joy in winter, food. You know, food joy in winter. You've made me think of like Devon smells of garlic in all through May. Mm. Because of wild garlic is everywhere, oh, isn't it? Yeah. I filmed something in a May once in Devon, and I have an aunt and uncle that live in a very like wild middle of nowhere bit yeah. of Devon, and it does like if you open the car door as you're just driving around, it's like constant <laughs> garlic. <laughs> really fragrant. Yeah. Um, is there anything you believe demands to be eaten in a ritualistic way? I'm quite curious about how other pe- other people's rituals actually. Yeah. So I'm off, if someone eats something in a different way to me, I'm often quite intrigued to try how they yeah. do it, to see how it feels. It's like doing an experiment on your own body, you know, sort of, oh, this is how you get pleasure, I'll give it a go. I Like, I enjoy that. It's so true, that's yeah. so true. I think that's how, yeah, and that's how I learned about how to eat loads of stuff, you know, yeah. as an adult. It can be very, it's almost like a recipe, isn't it? Yeah. Different methods of eating things can be very revealing. I'm quite, I don't know if I've yet tried Nigella's double buttering. Oof, what's that? <laughs> Well, she, it was on her last series, I think, Cookie Repeat, where oh, she, God, there's an initial... Just the words double buttering. Yeah. There's that an, should have gone viral, not microwave. <laughs> there's an initial buttering that soaks into the bread. <laughs> okay. And then there's a secondary buttering that sits more Is on the bread. Is this toasted bread? Toasted oh, no, bread. Toasted bread, yeah. You've got yeah. to have the initial buttering, but I didn't know you could do it. And then the second buttering, buttering to really I kind would, of engage your teeth. Do you know what? I want teeth. to try it. The buttering... Marmite, then the second butter. Oh yes. Um, my in a in a doddery moment, my nana as a child once put the marmite on before the butter. Yeah. On some toast, yeah. some after school toast, and um, that was the only way I'd then have it for about five years. You see, that's interesting. That's the kind of thing I'd be interested in trying out. Yeah. Yeah. Marmite, then butter. Yeah. 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 Well, this is the joy of this podcast is that people often give me examples of I've ended up trying things. I've ended up having <clears throat> marmalade and gouda on a crumpet. Oh, I could, yeah, I could see that. I like mar- marmalade and bacon, I think is quite classic. If you fry uh, your toast mm. in bacon fat after you've fried the oh, bacon. Fuck on. <laughs> oh my God. And then <sighs> you can have a buttering if you want, as, but then to add marmalade is very good. Oh, God. So, you know, it's like a treat because it's usually. If you use streaky bacon, it renders quite a lot of yeah. fat, doesn't it? And then fry that, fry your bread in that. Smoky, it sort of smokes. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, eat, and then can just go straight with marmalade or have butter as well. Fucking like... hell. Okay, well, that's getting tried. That's getting tried. Okay, wait, I've got a ritual. I've got oh, a ritual. Oh, yeah, I'm ready for I'm here for I'm, it. I'm very into trays. Eating on a tray. <gasps> yes. So since lockdown, me and my partner eat breakfast in bed every day. Fucking, this is living. <laughs> yeah. This is life. This it's is like living. It's like refusal now. to participate in work. I mean, yeah. uh, to, or, you know, kind of stealing as much of the day as mm. you can to just be a person and listen to the radio or talk about stuff. And so we take it every day, we take it in turns to oh. do breakfast in bed and we can get very elaborate with it as well. <sighs> just, you know, complicated breakfast sandwiches. This morning was paratha with bacon and tamarind sauce <gasps> with, and then coffee. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, that's incredible. That's it's like nice. a dish. Hum- that's, oh my God. Well, it's actually really great frozen parathas that you can get. I love them. Yeah. Well, you just dry fry yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Do you know what? You can get them in Catford Post Office. Wow. You can often get like two packs of eight for £2.50. That's absolutely, that's a bargain. Yeah. Anybody in South East London listening, get on down there. Because sometimes yeah. I have honey, honey, honey and butter mm. in paratha is nice. <laughs> the list of things it's to kind of try flaky, grows. you know what I mean? Yeah, the oily though. Yeah. I love the oily yeah. business. It's, it's so good. good, isn't it? Unctuous, <laughs> I'm going to say out loud. 
Quick fire questions. Weirdest thing you ever ate. The first time I tried frog's legs. Yeah. How did you find them? I actually found them a bit like chicken. Yeah. I mean, like, it was. they were seasoned really nicely. It was in a Vietnamese restaurant. I was 18 with my friend who was reviewing Vietnamese restaurants for Time Out. <laughs> and she took me there and we had them and I'd never had them before. So I, my mind was filled with, you know, the images of green-skinned frogs, but mm-hmm. they were... Quite delicate yeah. and chickeny. I like Did they that. have a tiny bone in? A little bone. Yeah, a little bone. Um, five second rule, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, great. Um, no other option. Would you eat a person? No. Oh, quick answer. And I don't know why, but I'm surprised. Oh. I don't know. I've got in my head um, the, the film The Cook, The Thief, The Wife and His Lover. Have okay, you seen that? Yeah, no, but <laughs> I, I'm very scared of cannibally films. Yeah. Is it a cannibally film? Yeah. Okay. But you do get to see Helen Mirren in Jean-Paul Gaultier Corsetry. Okay, so, okay, we'll watch it then, even saying, if I have to watch someone eat her up. <laughs> okay, I'll watch she doesn't it. get eaten. Oh, it's, great. A, it's a feminist revenge film. Oh, okay, well then, I'm absolutely and, fucking watching it, even if I have <laughs> three years of nightmares. Um, hangover, what are you having? Have you been to Bake Street? No. Oh, my God. You have to go to Bake it's Street here. Restaurant in London. It's very close to right. here. I'm just sort of gesturing in a direction in the studio, which is pointing to the wall. <laughs> but um, it's... The, um, it's this guy called Ferrell's his restaurant and he's an absolute genius of comfort food. Ooh. Like everything. Oh my God. There's like four types of chicken burger, um, normal burgers. He makes his own ice creams. Um, he makes little um, samosas. Um, mm. It's, and I, I, I had his food when I was really hungover and it's extremely good coffee as well. Ooh. It's, it's near Rectory Road Station. Okay. You have to go to Bake Street. Oh my God. They make creme brulee there. cookies. <gasps> It's very. It's a three-day process. Shut Creme brulee cookies. Oh also really fun, probably with kids. You can sit outside. It's very casual and relaxed and non, like, nonsensey place, but yeah. just exquisite. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. The creme brulee oh, cookies thanks. sell out, so you have to make sure you get there in reasonable time. Okay. Well, well I promise to go. It's, it's it's a literal creme brulee on a cookie. It's just like with just... you get to crack the yeah. roof. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna go there. Now it's time for the fifth question. A few weeks ago on Any Questions, a wildly posh old lady called Olivia phoned in and described the ex-Prime Minister Liz Truss as all fart, no shit, <laughs> and was the first caller in years to be kicked off live on air for swearing. And as funny as it was, it caused a tiny rip in the fabric of our universe, which allowed Minecraft to become an actual reality. It's a disaster, Rebecca. No one can even recognise a cow, let alone their own children, and the curveless hellscape quickly descends into a deadly apocalypse. It, it, it's agreed the universe to go back to reality but only if you and weirdly it does have to be you agree to carry a deer from Swindon to Norwich whilst the whole way reading aloud from the entire collection one after another of every single book that R.L. Stein has ever written so your mouse is too busy at any point for snacks it sounds impossible but you do it you're a hero you've saved us all from that terrible apocalypse sparked by Olivia on Radio 4 your reward is the adulation of all people for all time but your reward in the moment and bearing in mind you're flipping hungry because you've just done all that blooming carrying and no snacks and it's the feast of your dreams this is the opposite of the last meal because you couldn't be happier and you couldn't be hungrier I want you to be wherever you want to be to have this meal probably in bed with a partner in the morning on a tray. Where would you have this feast? You can tell me that, but I just want to know the feast. It's a fancy feast. I couldn't care less about any consequences of anything that comes up in this in terms of like health or ethics. 
<laughs> I just want to know oh, if then. you were the happiest and those horrible People. confines. <laughs> if you're the happiest and hungriest you can imagine being, what would you have to eat and drink? I also want to acknowledge that this is only your answer now. And if I'd asked you this another in half an hour's time, you could have given a different answer, I'm sure. I've got two meals that have immediately come to mind. One is very brief and one is slightly more long-winded. Let's go. Um, the, the instant answer is fish and chips. Yeah. Um, nothing for me is more alluring than the smell of vinegar and salt in mm. paper in fish and chips. Oh, I, I, felt I, had, I had an emotion <laughs> and a physiological reaction. Yeah, just I think when you're really hungry, when you want to eat in a complete frenzy... I'm fucking full right now, though, yeah. and it still just made my mouth cry. And the, where I live, they cook it in beef dripping. Oh, uh, and it, yes. And chips cooked in beef dripping is a religious experience. I've only ever had that in Durham. Oh, well, come to Harwich <laughs> okay. in Essex. Um, oh, anyway, my God, yes. Um, the other thing would be a restaurant in, in Testaccio in Rome where my friend Rachel Roddy lives, who's a food writer. Yes, amazing. Um, oh, fuck, I've forgotten the name, even though I've been there loads of times. Anyway, they have, I just, the, some of the most joyful meals of my life I've ever had there. And they have like this amazing dish. Actually, it's also fish, which is salt cod um, with prunes, with preserved fruit and onion. So you've got this sort of salt, sweet and onion. And it, it, was, it was a religious, almost wept eating it. It was so good. And then they also have lots of like weeds that they cook, Ooh. like mallow, you know, like, and um, like dandelion type things. And they'll just cook whatever wild weeds are in season Glorious. every day. And it's just really amazing. Fucking yeah. great. But it's not kind of, it's not a stressful place to eat. You know, you yeah. can just spend ages eating more and more. Yeah. Yes, please. So that, yeah, so that's, that's my instant thought oh it's just brilliant thanks thank you lot. so much thanks for, doing for having this. me this thank is fun you. and thanks for feeding me lunch my pleasure thanks for doing it splendid Hoovering Podcast. what a beautiful episode i implore you to read rebecca's work and please genuinely please get your mitts on her book small fires and epic in the kitchen i'm getting it for more than one person's christmas gift it's so rich with glorious thought and feeling um rebecca's um, people, if she has any, didn't approach me asking me to uh, have her on the podcast. I'm not under any social or professional duress to say that I like this book. I independently absolutely loved this book and I really want you to enjoy it too. Follow her on Instagram at Rebecca May Johnson. Come and see my last tour dates of Wench in Salisbury on the 19th or Colchester on the 20th of November. Tickets available on my website, jessicafosterq.com. Follow us on social media at The Hoovering Pod. I'm on at Jessica Foster Q. Send us voice notes, pictures, WhatsApps to 07462 855 271. Email us, thehooveringpod at gmail.com. I'll be storing all your beautiful offerings up and discussing them in future episodes. Keep an eye on our social media for any specific questions and topics that we'll be asking you to contact us about. Links to everything interesting mentioned today are, as ever, in the podcast notes. Hoovering is presented and created by me, Jessica Fosterkew. The music is by Jake Yap, and it was produced by Laura Grimshaw. Until in two weeks, happy hoovering. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.